preachers, uh, two prophets that preach. And uh, there, are, there are two men in the scripture that have never to a taste of death. The Bible says Enoch uh, walked with God and was not, which means that he didn't die. Um, and then we'll talk about this text from here tonight, that Elijah was taken to heaven, so he did not die. But the Bible does say in, in Hebrews, it is appointed to man once to die, but after this the judgment. So every person, every man, every woman has to die. And at this point, I do not believe that he died, because the Bible doesn't say that he died. So, but what he does is he takes a trip. Uh, he, we, we left chapter 1. Um, Elijah was given the, the, the proclamation to the king. And chapter 2 begins his his trap, his trip, his travel uh, to his his death, basically, uh, with the first four points or the pathway of his death. So we're going, we'll talk about that, and then we'll, then we'll end with the whirlwind. But we'll go through each verse of Scripture, just kind of go over this uh, as we look at this. So let's go ahead and read the story, and we'll stop, and we'll tell it as we go. So if you will... Just follow along there with me the best that you can. 2 Kings chapter 2 and verse number 1. All of those verses that we'll read are probably not on the paper. Um, so here we go. Verse 1. And it came to pass when the Lord would take up Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind. Then Elijah went with Elijah, Elisha from Gilgal. So stop. Just a second. You see there in this text, verse number 1, he says that he'll be taken into heaven by a whirlwind. And then he uses the words take up doesn't say death. He doesn't talk about dying. So it's his life state did not die. He was taken into heaven by a whirlwind. Verse 2, Elijah said unto Elisha, Tarry here, I pray thee, for the Lord hath sent me to Bethel. And Elisha said unto him, As the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. So they went down to Bethel. <clears throat> now these places, so first, let's go to point number one. Uh, Number one is the area of the pathway, the, the path that they took. This path that they took in a one-day journey was, was considered to be about 30 to 35 miles. It consisted of four different towns that they went through. Uh, the first town, which where they were at, was Gilgal. Uh, in verse number one, as Bible says that Elijah and Elisha, Elisha was his assistant, his uh, his associate, his his. Uh, Elijah was mentoring Elisha, and Elisha and Elijah were sitting in Gilgal. So first of all, the area of his pathway went, first of all, to Gilgal. But if you'll, if you'll look at your scripture, a lot of times this word or this town was used, so there's multiple locations where Gilgal was, was given. But in this text, we see that they are building from Gilgal to Bethel to Jericho to Jordan, and so because of that, in the location that we're talking about, Gilgal, was the, was the location that I believe was the final place for the children of Israel before they went into the promised land. And you'll, you'll notice those scriptures that uh, uh, attach to that. Then second is Bethel, or uh, verse number two. And Elijah said unto him, I uh, said unto Elisha, Terry here, I pray thee, for the Lord hath sent me to Bethel. Bethel is a place... Uh, this is where Jacob had the vision of the ladder into heaven. Jacob, uh, Jacob had, uh, in his day, this was a special place 
Bethel was a special place. The house of God, I believe the, the name of Bethel stands for. But in, in Elijah's day, this was the house, this was the place of apostasy. This was the place that was preaching and teaching the, the lies of Baal. This was the place that was, that was uh, uh, doing that. So, as we look at this, we see Gilgal, we see Bethel. Then the third one, let's go ahead and read verse number three. And the sons of the prophets that were at Bethel came forth to Elisha and said unto him, Knowest thou that the Lord will take away thy master from thy head today? And he said, Yeah, I know it. Hold your peace. You say, What is that? What is that talking about? Well, in verse number three, in verse number two, uh, we see that he went to Bethel. That was a, a place. Now, who are the sons of the prophets? Does anybody know? Who's the sons of the prophets? No? We have a question. What is the son of the prophet? The son of the prophets was kind of like a school. There was a school in Bethel that was teaching and preaching these young men to be preachers of the gospel of the Lord. Now, at this time, we understand that Jesus hadn't been born, so we understand that they were still preaching the, the truth, but they weren't preaching Jesus' life, okay? But they were sons of the prophets. It was a training ground for those individuals. But I want you to look at what they said in Bethel. Look what they said to, to Elisha in verse number 2, verse number 3. He said, and the sons of the prophets that were there at Bethel, he came into forth to Elisha and said unto him, Knowest thou that the Lord will take away thy master from thy head today? What did they just tell Elisha? Do you know that Elijah is fixing to die? Do you know that Elijah is fixing to go? Can you imagine having this conversation? You pull up and you're, and you're at this town. You've left Gilgal. You went to Bethel. And here you are at Bethel. And all of a sudden you're talking to other guys who believe just like you. Who are straight just like you. Who, who believe the Bible just like you. And they stand there and they look at you. And they said, hey, Elijah's fixing to die. What's the thing about that? How rude is that for them to say that? Is that, is that something that you would say? To somebody, can you imagine? Can you imagine sitting there talking to somebody and they know that somebody's recently die and you're like, hey, hey, he, he's he's dying today. What's that? His head's going to be taken. What kind of what kind of statement is that? What kind of conversation? Why would you even have that conversation with Elisha? Why? I would. I I can't imagine why why I would go up to somebody and be like, hey, the, the guy that's with you, he he's fixing to die. What's that about that? That's rude. Right? I think it is. Hey, he's fixing to die. He's fixing to die. And look what Eli Elisha says to him. Shut your mouth. Hold your peace. Hold your peace. See, you know what he's telling him? Shut up. And that's my interpretation of it. Shut up. I know what's fixing to happen. I understand what's going to take place. But you need to shut up. It's not your place to tell me what's fixing to happen. I know what's going to happen. So we see he goes to Gilgal, he goes to Bethel, and then, then number three, look at verse number four. Elijah said unto him, Elisha, tarry here, I pray thee, for the Lord hath sent me into Jericho. And he said, As the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. So they came to Jericho. How many of you guys remember the town of Jericho? 
Does anybody remember the town of Jericho? What happened at the town of Jericho? You ever heard of a guy named Joshua? You ever heard the song, Josh Fit Battle of Jericho? Jericho? No? What? What? Fort Natchez, forgive me for saying that, Fort Natchez choir sang that for saying that last year. Anyway, you guys don't hate me for that, but uh, they, they, Jer Joshua fit the battle of Jericho, and uh, he won the battle. But look, as they came through, this was earlier in the scriptures, Joshua came through, the Bible says that, for, first of all, they weren't allowed to touch anything in Jericho because it was accursed. And uh, there was a guy that came through and touched something. He, he grabbed something and he shook them and, and hit it and, and God ended up killing him for it. But anyways, God told the children of Israel never to rebuild Jericho. Never. Never to rebuild Jericho because it is a curse. You will have a curse. So, guess who rebuilds Jericho? King Ahab. Ahab in his arrogance, Ahab in his arrogance to God and the scriptures, he says, I'm rebuilding Jericho, and I don't care what God says, and I don't care what he believes, but I'm rebuilding Jericho. But Jericho, God promised the curse of God would be on that town, and all those that would fix that, or who would rebuild that town. Take your, you keep your Bibles there in 1 Kings, but take it back to 1 Kings chapter 16. And verse number 34. And in his days did Heli, he, Heli, the Bethlehem, build Jericho. He laid the foundation thereof, his firstborn, and set up the gates thereof, and the second, and the youngest son, Segavah, that according to the word of the Lord, which was spoken, was spoke by Joshua, the son of Nun. So we see Ahab rebuilt a city that was not supposed to be rebuilt. But as we look at this, not only did they go through Gilgal and Bethel, but they went through Jericho. But let's look who was in Jericho. Verse number 5. The Bible says, And the sons of the prophets that were at Jericho. So we go back to Bethel. Bethel had a place for the sons of the prophets. Jericho had a place for the sons of the prophets. Another, another school. Another school for the sons of the prophets. And they came to Elisha, look what they said to him. and said unto him, Knowest thou that the Lord will take away thy master from thy head today? And he answered, Yeah, I know. Hold ye your peace. Hold it. I don't want to hear what you're talking about. Stop telling me that he's going to die. Now, we continue to read verse number 6. Let's go to the next place. And Elijah said unto him, Terry, I pray thee here, for the Lord hath sent me to Jordan. And he said, As the, as the Lord liveth, and as I soul liveth, I will not leave thee. And they went on. And the fifty men of the sons of the prophets went and stood to view afar off, and they too stood by Jordan. So, who went to Jordan? Who came to Jordan? Okay. Who was the two? Come on, who was the two that went to Jordan? 
by Jordan. Because that too is not a T-O-O, it's T-W-O. So there was two of them that stood by the Jordan. Who was those two? Elijah and Elisha. Those were the two. Okay? <laughs> now look, guys. Okay. And and look, and they two went on, and then 50 men uh, stood, two stood by Jordan. And Elijah, look what look. So we see Bethel, we see Gilgal, we see Jericho, and we see Jordan. A lot of times in, in Psalms, um, Jordan represents what a lot of people would consider death, like well, Passover Jordan. You ever heard that before? Um, and, and Jordan is a picture of that. A lot of times it is because this is the last place that, that Elijah passed through before he died. Um, here he was standing at the, at the river Jordan, and uh, he had to pass through Jordan, and then he died. But if you look at this, um, I'll just the history of Jordan, the Jordan River is considered to be a very dirty river. Um, it's not a very clean river. Um, any, anybody else know any significance from the Jordan River? Uh, Joshua went. Uh, Joshua crossed the Jordan. Uh, Jesus was baptized in the Jordan. That's right. And so there's, there's a very big significance when it's talking about the Jordan River. So here we are standing at the bank of the river, okay? So we understand what's taking place. So we see the areas of the pathway. So number two, and so number one is the areas. Number two is the agreement on the pathway. Look at verse number two, and we're going to talk about this. Is uh, he always, and Elijah said to Elisha, Tarry here, I pray thee, for the Lord hath sent me to Bethel. If you will go through each verse in this text, what does Elijah say to Elisha? Who is sending him to the next place? Who is sending him to the next place? Who, who picked Elijah to go through the towns that he went through? Did he pick them? No. God picked them. He says, the Lord hath sent me to Bethel. The Lord hath sent me to here. The Lord has sent me to Jordan. And as you look at this, and how important it is that we follow God. Every time you look at Elijah's life, every time, go all the way back to the beginning, when Elijah stood before King Ahab and told him that he was a wicked sinner and that the only hope he had was to repent, was to get right, was to do things right, the only hope that he had for rain was through Elijah. We go all the way back to the beginning. Elijah followed God. Elijah told God, I mean, God told Elijah, go to Zarephath. So what did he do? He went to Zarephath. God told Elijah to go to the brook, and he went to the brook Cherith. Every place he went, he followed God to King. It is important as a Christian that we follow God when he tells us to do something. There are many things in the scripture that we completely ignore and completely, nah, it's not that big of a deal, but I'm here to tell you, Christian, whether you think it's big or whether you think it's small, it's still something that God has said to do. And so you look at this, why in the world would God make Elijah travel 30 to 35 miles on his last day on earth 
Did, did Elijah question God? Elijah said, no, I don't know that I completely agree with going to all those areas, but it was a principle that he was going to follow God no matter where it took him. If it took him through Gilgal, if it took him through Jordan, if it took him through Jericho, if it took him to Bethel, he was going to go where God wanted him to go, regardless of where he went. Will you follow God wherever he sends you? That's the question. Will you follow God where he sends you? Elijah did. Elijah is a perfect example. Have you ever... Let me ask you this, Christian. Have you ever ignored God? When he told you to do something? You don't want to answer that, do you? I believe if we'd all be if we'd all be honest, we either one of us could answer no to that question. Or yes to that question, huh? That when God said something, stuff we go. I'll get it later. <clears throat> what would happen to you, Derek? If mama told you to do something, and you decided when you was a kid, not now because you're an adult, right? But if you decide, <laughs> don't roll your eyes at me, mom. <laughs> what would happen to you if you didn't do what you were told to do? Would you get in trouble? <laughs> it was Jeremy's fault, yeah. right? But if you don't do what you're, oh look, well, I remember growing up as a kid, if I didn't do something I was supposed to do, guess what I got? I got a whooping. <laughs> and I'd rather got whooping by my daddy than my mama. Do you know why? Because my daddy would hold back, and my mama would give me everything she got. Because my daddy would hurt me if he gave me everything he got. Everything he had, I'm sorry. But Christian. Why do we treat God differently than we do parents? I was scared of my parents. But look, God's the one that God's the one that gives you parents. God's the one to make sure that you're still living today. And yet we treat God like we treat God's commandments like they're optional. Eh, well, well, maybe I'll do it. No, it's something that you ought to do. Ought to do. So Elijah did exactly what he wanted, what God wanted. The area of the pathway. We see number one. Number two is the agreement of the pathway. Was that he was going to follow God? And then number three, the assistant on the pathway. Who is the assistant? It says it on your paper, so you can't get it wrong. Who is the assistant? Elisha. That's right. Elisha was the assistant. All right. So we see here. Look at look at that second page on the back of that. Number of 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 2, chapter 2, verse 4, chapter 2, verse 7. And what does it say? And they went down to Bethel, and they came to Jericho, and they stood by Jordan. Who is those? Who is they? Elijah and Elisha. Elijah tried to get him to stay. Just stay. I'm going. You stay. But the persistence of Elisha was that I am going. I'm going with you. No matter where you go, I'm going with you. Now, I, I think that you can look at it 
of Elisha that he says, I'm going with you no matter where. But then you can also look at it like, hey, he was just following the leader while the leader was following God. And you can look at it that way. But he followed his leader. But because of his persistence of going with him all the way to the end, he got something. He got an opportunity that not one other person did. When they were in Bethel, they, they were sons of the prophets. When they came to Jericho, they were sons of the prophets. And then those 50 sons of the prophets in Jericho, they went with them to Jordan, but they stood afar off. And they watched all of it take place. But who went with him to Jordan? Elisha did. Look at verse number 9. And it came to pass, when they were gone over, when they had gone over, the, over Jordan, that Elijah said unto Elisha, Ask what I shall do for thee before I am taken away from thee. What does that mean? Elijah, Elisha, what do you want? What do you want from me? I'll give you something. What do you want before I go? And Elisha says, I pray thee, let a double portion of thy spirit be upon thee. A double portion of, thy, of my spirit, of thy spirit be upon thee. Look what, look what the answer was. Elijah looks at him in verse number 10, and he said, Thou hast asked a hard thing, nevertheless, if thou see me when I am taken away from thee, it shall be un, it shall be so unto thee, but if not, it shall not be so. Stop. What did he have to do? What was the promise? What was the promise that he would get the double portion of, of thy spirit? Of whose spirit? Elijah's spirit? What did we see Elijah do when he was alive? Pretty awesome things. Feeding that widow woman in the middle of the desert, in the middle of a drought, every day for a yearish or so, he stuck his hand in the bag and there was always food to feed. He sat on the brook and God fed him every day for over a year or so. He, he outran a chariot, a King Ahab. He prayed that God would stop the rain, and God stopped the rain for three and a half years. He prayed that God would start the rain, and God started the rain after three and a half years. And Elisha says to him, I want double what you got. That's a huge, to me, that's a huge ask. Would you agree? But what does Elijah say? Elijah says to him, you've asked a hard thing. You've asked something that is difficult. You've asked something that is hard. And because you've asked something that is hard, I promise you'll get it. If you watch me go, just watch me go, and you can get it. Wow. But I want you to, I want you to think about it in his mind as well. Elisha what, had to watch his mentor died. He had to watch his, his, his leader, his preacher, his prophet, the guy who brought him where he was, the guy who took him from Gilgal to Jericho to Bethel to, to Jordan and watch these 
get the double portion of what he had? Sometimes, I'm not going to preach this sermon yet, okay? We'll get there when we go through. Next, we're going to go through Elisha's life. We're going to pick right out, go right through Elisha's life. So I'm not going to get, I don't preach this sermon yet. But look, <coughs> the hard ask sometimes requires a hard requirement. It would be difficult to watch your mentor die and then pick up. Because he still, Elisha still was in the midst of people that didn't believe in God. In the midst of people that didn't want him to be the preacher that he was. But the promise was that you get it. But I have two more points. I've got it's a few minutes to eight, so we'll, we'll uh, I don't know how long I have to go. And you guys are probably like, shut up, I'm ready to go, but. I'm going to try to get through here, okay? Number four is the accomplishment on the pathway. What happens to a lot of people when they're nearing the end of life? They quit. They quit going. They quit doing. They quit doing what they used to do and all they talk about is what they used to do. Right? It happens to old time Christians all the time. Well, I remember back when I was a kid we used to do this and we used to do that. But guess what? Elijah wasn't done. Elijah was at the end of his life and he knew it. And he knew that he was no longer going to have a ministry on earth. But he wasn't done. Because look what happens in verse number 7. He said, I'm not done. I've got work to do. We've got something to take place. Verse number, let's go, let's go ahead and jump down to verse number 9, okay? They're at uh, verse 8, verse 7. Good night. They're standing before Jordan, verse 8. And Elijah took his mantle. He took out his coat. He took his mantle. And he wrapped it together. And he smote the waters, which means he hit the waters. He hit the water of Jordan. And they were divided hither and thither. And so they too, who's the two? Elijah and Elisha. Those two walked over, went over on dry ground. What took place right there? Elijah wasn't done. Elijah was at the end of his life, but he wasn't done serving God. So I'm going to say no matter how old you get, no matter where you get in your Christianity, don't ever quit serving God. Because there he was. He smoked the waters. And God divided the waters and they walked across on dry ground. How does that take place? How does water divide and they walk across on dry ground? <clears throat> Have you ever been to an old a creek, a creek bed and it's dried up? Have you ever seen an old creek, creek bed that's dried up? Well, if you go to it when it's recently dried up, what's, what's wrong with that? It's muddy, isn't it? When God divided that water, it wasn't muddy ground that they walked across on. It was dry ground. They didn't have to have wader boots on to walk across. The water that had been flowing over that same place for year after year and hundreds of years, that ground was soaking wet. 
But when he divided the waters, not only was the miracle in the division of the water, but the miracle was on the ground when God dried it up so that they could walk across it. And there stood the sons of the prophets, 50, 50 of them, standing on the hill, watching all of this take place. He wasn't done. He wasn't done. Then lastly, and lastly, number five, the ascension on the pathway. <clears throat> Verse number third, 11. Verse number 11. And it came to pass, as they still went on and talked, <coughs> that behold, there appeared a, chi a chariot of fire and horses of fire and parted them both asunder. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. How did he ascend into heaven? By a whirlwind. You know what? Prior to studying this, I always thought he went up in a fiery chariot and horses. But he did not. He went up in a whirlwind with and then a fiery chariot and horses did as well. But the whirlwind, what's a whirlwind? What would take, what would pick somebody up and carry them off? A big wind. A tornado. But that tornado took him to heaven. And they went up by whirlwind into heaven. And we'll, we'll talk about this a little bit, but verse 11, 12. And Elisha saw it and he cried, My father, my father, the chariot of Israel, the horsemen of thereof. And he saw him no more, and he took hold of his clothes and rent them in two pieces. And he took up also the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and went back and stood by the bank of Jordan. And I'm not going to we won't go anywhere else from there, but I want you to see this that he picked up the mantle that Elijah left behind because he said, I want a double portion of my spirit. And so when, when Elijah left, Elijah left Elisha his coat. So he picked up the coat of Elisha. Elijah. And Elisha put it on and carried on like Elijah did. You'll see later on in this text, the sons of the prophets, they, you know, they stood far off. They actually make a statement to Eli Elisha that that, uh, that 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 whirlwind must have picked him up and set him on the other side of the mountain. So Elijah's not gone, but Elijah was gone. Elijah had gone to heaven. It's an interesting story how God took Elijah. Just a few chapters of the Bible. But did a great work for God. And stood for God. In the face. Where most people would have bowed. Who stands in front of the king. And says. You wicked man. You'll also find that. Elijah wrote a letter. That was later delivered. In 2nd Chronicles. I believe chapter 21. I think it is. Is the context that it's written. I need to look that up and give that to you 100%. But 
He wrote a letter that was delivered after his life was over, after he was gone to heaven and was given to a king. But I, I'm here to tell you this, Christian. We've studied this. This has been a great study. I've really enjoyed it. But your life, you are just like Elijah. You live just like he did. You are the same flesh like he was. You can live for God just like he did. And be the type of Christian that he was. Because it is available to you. The same God, the same, the same everything is still available. Christian, we ought to strive to live for God. Follow God. But I, I really think there's some key elements that he had. And the biggest thing to me that sticks out is that no matter where God told him to go, he lived. Never questioned God. And he did, and he did it exactly the way that God wanted him to do. Alright, does anybody have any questions, comments, or concerns before we close? Yes, ma'am. We'll take off straight from the life of Elisha. Well, Elisha will all be at camp next week, but yes. But we'll, we'll, we'll pick up there. Anybody have any questions? I have a couple more segments and then we'll close. Uh, the, thing that, the thing that I see evident about his life, Elijah knew that his life was coming to an end, but he had so much humility that he didn't parade himself around all these places he went to. He didn't parade himself around saying, I'm dying. Get them TV crews out here. Let everybody watch what's taking place. Because you know today, big name preachers, they'd be, they be telling everybody, hey, hey, come look what's fixing to happen. Come on. He had so much humility, he didn't tell any of them. And he didn't tell the sons of the prophets. He didn't look at the sons of the prophets and say, yeah, come on, come with. He actually told Elisha to stay behind. Then you also look at the place in which he died. It was an obscure place. It wasn't, it wasn't in the middle of the city. It wasn't, it wasn't in the middle so he could attract everybody. It was in a, in a very obscure place. It was in a very private place. It was in a very uh, uh, place by himself. Where God took him. Just because you think your life is in an obscure, no one ever knows about you. Doesn't mean you can have. Doesn't not mean that you can have a great impact on this world, on this city, on this church. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for today. Thank you for allowing us to be in your house tonight. I pray that you've used me in spite of me, Lord. I pray that each and every person in this room has been challenged by Elijah's life to do something for him. I thank you for allowing the weather not to get super bad tonight.